With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. The big question coming into this weekend was, is Taysom Hill a real quarterback? Saints head coach Sean Payton clearly thinks he is. He started uh, Hill in place of uh, the injured Drew Brees and... uh, You know, I'm not sure what the answer was going to be. I think we got our answer. Hill did some things pretty well and wisely chose to throw to Michael Thomas as often as he could. He did run a couple of times, had a couple of touchdowns. But I don't think the Saints care how they won. It's just that they did win. And we always think about the Saints as this high-octane offense, uh, and it's not. Uh, This was when Drew Brees is at his peak. It's a high-octane offensive team. The truth is that team is long gone. They need help from a defensive line. We saw that yesterday against Atlanta. Did a nice job. The future of Hill at quarterback is still uncertain, but it might not matter. It's one week, and the Saints have to feel that Taysom Hill got off to a great start, holding down the Ford until Drew Brees can get healthy and return to lead the Saints. Also, you're trying to figure out what you have with Taysom Hill. That was surprising, at least when I heard that from Sean Payton. He wanted to see what he has in Taysom Hill. I'm assuming you know what you have in Taysom Hill. At this point, you've had him in your system for quite some time. Maybe we, the public, didn't know, don't know. I still don't know what they have. I think he had a really good game. Um, He was dangerous. Atlanta was a little bit... uh, uh, out of sorts, trying to figure out what was going on. He got confidence as he moved along there. Felt like the offense became a little bit more his. But I still don't know if he's a every week quarterback. I don't know if he's a starting quarterback in the NFL. But when Drew Brees comes back, then Taysom Hill go back to doing whatever Taysom Hill does. I didn't realize, how many ribs do you have? Because keep in mind, when we saw this sack on Drew Brees, and I went, okay, Two broken ribs. First, it was a it was a contusion. Then it became two broken ribs. Then all of a sudden, it's a collapsed lung. Then all of a sudden, it's a few more broken ribs. Then it's 11 broken ribs there. 
I think we have 24. So he had almost <laughs> half his ribs broken on that play, which I don't believe is uh, possible, but uh, he's out for a little while with the 11 broken ribs. Yes, Eden. Right, you have 12 pairs of ribs, making it 24 total. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. I appreciate That's that. Oh, MD, you could add that to my card. Ooh. All right, thank you. Uh, but watching Taysom Hill, uh, I'm, and I'm not rooting against Taysom Hill. Gosh, I go back to when he was at BYU. We had him on. Like, this was 2014 we saw something in him. I just don't know if he's consistent enough as a passer. And I'm just looking at the game plan. Not Taysom Hill, because if you're going to bring him in, is he the right person to bring in instead of Jameis Winston? I thought Jameis Winston could play the role that Teddy Bridgewater did when Drew got hurt last year. Sean Payton probably wasn't comfortable with what he's seen with James, Jameis, or he said, I'm more comfortable in this style against this defense with Taysom Hill. Whatever his game plan is, Sean Payton's forgot more football than I know. Here is Sean Payton after the win. I thought he played well. You know, he had the one turnover late in the game in the four minute. You know, we had a big touchdown pass called back, but it, look, it was a good team win. I thought we were fantastic defensively. I don't know what our rushing numbers were, but I think it's a really good run defense. And, uh, you know, we managed to take advantage of enough opportunities to win that game. Yeah, they did what they needed to do. Uh, I mean, you're going against an Atlanta team, and I don't want people to say, well, it's Atlanta. Atlanta has played better. And in that series, you go back through the years, the decades, usually the team that's not supposed to win ends up winning that game. But uh, they pick up the win. Uh, The Rams and Buccaneers coming uh, up tonight. Uh, Joe Burrow's out for the season. I know that they said ACL. I I would get the sense that it's a little more serious than just that. But that's only because having gone through too many knee surgeries and just kind of figuring out how he got hit, uh, at least a couple of doctors have responded with what they saw there, that it might be a little bit more serious than that with Joe Burrow. But he's done for the season. Uh, the Steelers are 10-0, and and... You know, you start to survey what's going on in the NFL right now, and I think you might have a little better sense of just how good is somebody and how bad is somebody and how questionable some teams are. All of a sudden, the Ravens are vulnerable, and they're just not the same team. They, they lost Ronnie Stanley, and he's a great offensive lineman. Uh, Yonda retired, and it just feels like the Ravens can be bullied a little bit. And you saw that with the Titans going into that game. And Derrick Henry in overtime, the second time he scored a touchdown in overtime this season. But all of a sudden, you're looking at Baltimore. I remember some of the uh, analysts, experts, talking heads, looked at Baltimore and said, they might go undefeated. They could be 15-1. and I think they're going to be struggling just to make the playoffs here. And maybe they'll be a dangerous out when they get there, but... You start to look at, okay, who is really good in the AFC right now? I know Kansas City is, but they're holding on for dear life to beat the Raiders. Titans had been struggling. I don't know. That that defense is not as formidable as it was last year. Browns are okay. I mean, they're just okay. They haven't really beaten anybody the last couple of weeks. But there's no drama. I don't know how good the Bills are. They're inconsistent. Like You start to run down, then I got Pittsburgh. I'm sold on Pittsburgh. As long as Ben is healthy, sold on Pittsburgh. And then you got this game coming up on Thanksgiving with the Ravens. 
And suddenly that becomes a huge game for the Ravens. The Steelers are four games ahead of the Ravens. Who would have thought? In the NFC, Green Bay loses to the Colts in overtime. Saints are still there. I don't know what to expect out of the Buccaneers tonight. It's like Brady goes to bed, I think, when I go to bed. And that's a problem when you're playing in primetime. It's a big night for the Rams as well. And once again, they have another East Coast game, Eastern time zone, where they have to go cross-country again this year. Yeah, Paul. Remember when we made fun of the Eagles for taking that tie? The Eagles are atop the NFC East yeah. at 3-6-1. and one. Everyone else is 3-7. and seven. Yeah. The long game. They're playing the long game early. Very long game. They knew. They want the season to go 20 games. Then they have a chance to maybe have some uh, respectable numbers there with wins and losses. Back to Joe Burrow. Every time you draft a quarterback like this, I always say, how good's the offensive line? Because we saw this with Andrew Luck. And I remember, you know, how many times, how many seasons, how many games did I say, if they don't protect him, he'll be out of the game by 30. And then all of a sudden they got a great offensive line. But the collateral damage had already happened. And I think Andrew Luck got to the point where he just said, I don't know what I'm going to be like when I'm 50 but I don't like what I feel like right now. And you got a great offensive line. He decided to retire. If you're going to expose Joe Burrow and the Bengals exposed Joe Burrow this year to hits, it's not a question of if, but when. And that is a big, big concern for this team. Obviously, you want to have a great offensive line, but you can invest $100 million in a quarterback like the Colts did, and then you spend 15 cents on an offensive line. It just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. The Bengals have to make sure that they have a good offensive line if they're going to expose Joe Burrow to the number of quarterback hits. Here's Zach Taylor, the Bengals head coach, on that topic. It's hard for me because all we can do is make progress as the season goes, and we gave up a lot of pressure early in the season. In these last couple of weeks, our guys have done a great job of keeping people off Joe. He's had a great pocket. You know, he did not have a sack in the first half, and the hit, as I saw it, wasn't when he had the ball in his hand. And so, you know, people keep talking about the offensive line without it seemingly watching the film from the last four weeks. Again, those guys have done a good job. It's been a revolving door for players. They're doing a great job. Joe's done a good job moving us down the field. And we felt like we were making a lot of progress um, over the last five weeks. And we're not going to apologize for any of that. Okay. Uh, Joe Burrow's in a hospital bed today, but no need to apologize. Burrow, 404 passing attempts this year. By comparison, most in the league. Matt Ryan, 388. Brady, 385. Ben, 380. Wentz, 377. You expose him to those hits. Maybe he doesn't get sacked, but he did get sacked. He was on pace, I think, for getting sacked over 50 times this year. Yes, McLovin. Isn't this sort of a structural problem with the number one overall pick? Because you're going to have a bad offensive line no matter where you go. You know, because the team's terrible. Like next year, the Jags or the Jets. Well, the Jets got a great tackle. I know. Keep I mean, I mean their, their offensive line is probably better than the Bengals. And the Jets aren't going to win a game this year. Right. But, but if it, you're taking Trevor Lawrence, you better have a good offensive line. And I'm not saying great offensive line. I'm saying a good offensive line. But it's like what could go. But the Jets always find a way to screw it up. Something will go wrong. I mean, Mahomes has been sacked 12 times. I don't know how many times he gets hit. But these bad teams and you're always behind and Joe Burrow's passing and you're going to get hit. And it was a hit that the NFL is trying to get out of the league. It's one of those low hits, and 
know, it's unfortunate because Joe Burrow was probably your rookie of the year. Although I will say, I watched a lot of Justin Herbert yesterday. I never saw him throw like this at Oregon. He's athletic, but he is throwing dimes. That first half, I know it's the Jets, but I'm looking at ball placement here. And he was, at times, spectacular yesterday. He's been great. He really has. He's been a great quarterback. When you consider a rookie doing what he's doing, I didn't expect this. Tua got benched yesterday. I think some of it was based off performance, but he got sacked six times. It might have been one of those, for health reasons, let's sit him down and bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. And you get you know the lower hits. He got hit in the leg. The last one was an awkward uh, hit. And if I'm, you know... Ryan Flores, I'm like, no, 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 got to get him out of here. Yeah, Paul. Tua threw a pick, I think, in the second quarter, and he was really upset, so he ran hard to make the tackle. No. He flew in like a, like a, what, like, I don't know, like a safety, like Ed Reed, and tried to make a tackle head first. I'm like, no, 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 just do the kind of courtesy tackle. God. Someone's got to teach him that. No, man. When Look I like Troy Palomalu running in there. Yeah, when I see that, I just want to grab him and say, no, 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 no. You, you live, live to see another play. Your ego is fine. Let somebody else make the tackle, not you. This program brought to you by Built Bar, simply the best tasting protein bar around. Seton had one this morning. Uh, there's 18 amazing flavors, mint brownie, coconut almond, pumpkin chocolate chip cookie. That's the remnants of yeah. Seton's Built Bar. A, a mint brownie. You're going to love Built Bar. BuiltBar.com is the way to order it. Use the promo code DP, get 20% off as we always do every monday best and worst of the weekend your opportunity to be part of the program what you saw that you liked you didn't like 877-3dp-show email address dp at danpatrick.com twitter handle it dp show florida state taps out of the clemson game northwestern beats wisconsin and ohio state uh they hold on to survive against the indiana hoosiers so busy weekend in college football chris sims will join us coming up uh mclovin what do you have for me today Okay, which team that was favored coming into this week are you most panicked about? Uh, the Baltimore Ravens were mm. pretty big favorites. Mm. The Patriots were favored against the Texans. The Vikings were a touchdown favorite against Dallas. And Miami, not only were they favored, there was reports like 95% of the money went on them against Denver. Who did you come away with most worried about? The Patriots, the Ravens, the Vikings, or the Dolphins? Well, I have to say the Ravens because we're not sure if they're a Super Bowl contender. Like the stakes are higher for them. The ceiling is higher or our expectations are. I don't have the Patriots making the playoffs. Uh, the Dolphins, I was surprised that they would lose that game to Denver. Um, but Patriots losing to the Texans. Deshaun Watson played a really good game there. And, you know, sometimes you're going to have these teams that aren't that good that do play well. And you go, where did that come from? And that was one of those games where he went, wow, I didn't expect that. But the Ravens, the Ravens seem average right now. And that's really surprising. Because you would think that they still have enough talent to win these games. And Lamar Jackson feels, you need to listen to him, he really sounds dispirited. I mean, it, it's like, man, we got humbled here. This is reality in the NFL. Yeah, McLovin. Another poll, which team is has the wrong starting quarterback? Now, you know where I'm going here because we were 15 minutes in and you haven't mentioned Carson Wentz, so I'm going to do the honors. Change him. Change the quarterback. Go ahead. Bring in Jalen Hurts. Just get it over with. Just get him. What Bring, are we going to talk about if they do that? 
I, I, uh, well, this was the perfect storm for people in my business. They could talk about Carson Wentz and Baker Mayfield playing against one another. And you know what? I was bored by that game. I, there were a couple of plays Carson Wentz made. Getting a safety, come on. Like, there are certain plays where you go, you got to be better than this. But I don't know if Jalen Hurts helps him out that much more or gives him a different look. But at this point, I don't know if Doug Peterson is stubborn going, nope, he's still our guy. Or maybe he's worried Jalen Hurts might be good. And then what do you have? With Carson Wentz, you got a guy you're spending $30 million a year on. But bring in Jalen Hurts. Go ahead. Let's see what he has. Yeah, McLevin. Why do I feel like Baker Mayfield does absolutely nothing to contribute to Browns wins? They keep winning, and <laughs> he doesn't do anything bad or good. He's just sort of there. Like they always, they have no points in the first half ever, but they're seven and three. Yeah, I know. You picked them to go to the playoffs. Yeah, I did. Why? Well, I figured that they could win nine games, and I, with an extra playoff spot, that they would make the playoffs. So that's the only reason why. I, I don't think they're great. But I think they have a lot of talent. I think they're good, uh, or the potential to be good. How about that? This from uh, Andrew Brandt. Uh, he tweets, To those wanting a change at quarterback in Philadelphia, no team has invested more in a player accounting for draft and financial resources than the Eagles have in Carson Wentz. Change not happening. Franchise-defining investments. Yikes. What else do you have poll question wise? Yeah, uh, other quarterbacks I want to ask you quickly is okay. two of the right quarterback for the Dolphins right now because Fitzpatrick looked a little better yesterday. Did you feel like this experiment's going to go through to the end of the year? I think if you know what your limitations are. If the Dolphins know we might make the playoffs, we're not a Super Bowl contender. I think you got to see what you have in Tua. Now, if you, it's really important to make the playoffs, then I would have Ryan Fitzpatrick in there because he's a better quarterback, in my opinion, right now. Uh, it, Tua has had some good numbers and quarterback rating, all of that stuff here. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a better quarterback. Um, and he's expendable if something happens here. Tua, yesterday, that made me a little nervous with him getting hit as many times as he did. But I'll give credit to Denver. They went after him, and uh, they made him pay. Yeah, Paul. I was watching the Dolphins post game before I turned the channel. Ryan Fitzpatrick said hello and goodbye and hugged to about 75 different players because he's played with everybody in the league. <laughs> he's hugging ball boys, trainers, accountants, the, the backup linebacker. It, it was, I was just, he's like, hey, good to see you. You could see him hugging everybody. What else do you have, McClellan? Oh, by the way, one more quarterback situation just for comic relief. Should the Bears keep with Nick Foles? And I had to look up his backup. I don't know if Trubisky's coming back, but. Tyler Bray is the other option right now. So I don't even know, like, is that a quarterback controversy or is everyone just giving up on that quarterback spot? I would, uh, I would just have a running back there. Yeah, <laughs> go full wildcat. I don't think anybody's their future, their quarterback. But if you want to find out what Bray has, then throw him in there. Oh, he's been around a while now, too. Remember yeah. him at Tennessee? Yeah, yeah I know. I'd... We, we just think that quarterback change, that, that, that's the difference. You put in a different quarterback, it's going to change. That's not actually the case. Taysom Hill's been there a while, and he is athletic. He does have the capability of playing quarterback. I just don't know if he can be consistent. That's all. I liked what he saw. I'm not rooting against him. I was just surprised that they went with that game plan against Atlanta. Let's see what happens in the next couple of weeks with him. All right, let's see. 
Yeah, maybe maybe he's putting up numbers and you know he's going to remind us of Teddy Bridgewater, what Teddy did last year when uh, Drew got hurt. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris Sims back with us. Let's start with Taysom Hill. Did you get the sense that the media was rooting against Taysom Hill in this game against Atlanta? 
Oh, I don't know if I got the sense they were rooting against him. Um, maybe people were surprised, one, that Jameis Winston didn't get the nod to be the starter. Uh, I, I mean, I know what you're saying. It does seem to be a sense out there that, like, oh, Taysom Hill can't be a quarterback and he hasn't played enough, and there is that element. But, man, the position he was in yesterday, it it was choppy. It didn't look great early, but – uh, I was pretty impressed for a guy who hasn't played snaps in the NFL as a starting quarterback yet and what he did and kind of how he managed the game and slowly but surely made some plays to go along with it. Do you think he's a starting quarterback in the NFL? I th- uh, I'd like to see more before I throw that in there. And the first thing is, Dan, like I think you'd be on board with this. If Sean Payton thinks he does, then I, it's hard for me not to think that too. I mean, he's damn good coach. He's obviously one of the best offensive minds we've had in football over the last 20 years. He's got all the skills and everything there to be a starting quarterback. You could see the arm is real. You know, he does have nice patience and poise in the pocket. You know, through a lot of nice intermediate throws to Michael Thomas and doing that type of stuff, and then his scrambling ability. So it might not look like Drew Brees or anything like that, but yeah, I think his skill set and the way he throws the football, and it seems like his mental demeanor lends him to being a, a potential starting quarterback and a good one at that. My only curiosity with this was the uh, Sean Payton, this great offensive-minded head coach, saying, "I need to see what I have in Taysom Hill." Yeah, like. You had to wait to put him in a real game as a starting quarterback to see what you had with a 30-year-old? That, that was the only thing that was surprising about uh, that decision. I, I agreed. I mean, that's where I wasn't sure if he would actually pull the trigger and make that move to just go, man, we're in the thick of things here. We could be the number one seed in the NFC. I don't think number one seed benefits any team more than the New Orleans Saints and them being at home in that uh, dome, Drew Brees inside, all of those things. So that's where I wasn't sure either, Dan. But, you know, obviously he felt like at least he was mentally ready for the challenge to a degree to step up and understanding the offense and doing all of that. And I think that in a lot of ways, I bet you Sean Payton liked the challenge of, let me see how I can diversify my offense. What other elements can I add here? And really in the perfect world, you'd hopefully, hopefully, you know, towards the playoffs or end of the year, they could almost merge both offenses together to get a little of the best out of both worlds and make Taysom Hill a legitimate part of the offense because he's a pretty skilled guy. I know we're looking at the end result with Joe Burrow. He was, what, over 400 attempts. They were always behind. Um, he was on pace to have at least, you know, be sacked 50 times. Was the Bengals' approach irresponsible with Joe Burrow, a rookie throwing the ball that many times behind an offensive line that was sort of makeshift? Well, I had argued that there was weeks where I really talked about on pro football talk with Florio and things like that, that they better be careful that they were flirting with danger and really their number one object, uh, you know, uh, objective for the year would be, yeah, get Joe Burrow better and comfortable, but don't get him hurt. That was, they were almost go hand in hand and man, he went through a year of I mean, really towing the line of, like you said, big shots. I mean, crazy big shots. Not just like, oh, he got beat up, but like a few weeks where we're going, oh, my gosh, like, is he going to get up? I mean, there was a lot of that. And to me, that did bother me. Um, I know they're trying to win a football game, but I do think with where they add in their franchise and the fact that he is their franchise, yeah, there should have been a little bit more emphasis on let's protect him. Yeah, we might look a little bit uglier, but – 
we're at least going to be healthy going into 2021 with a really damn good quarterback. I thought that the Dolphins, Brian Flores, just said, I can't leave Tua out there. He was sacked six times. The last one was looked like he landed a little awkwardly. It was, you know, lower leg. Um, right. You know, it felt like he was struggling a little bit, but that might have been just self-preservation to take him out and bring in Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, it was um, it, it was Vic Fangio's a good defense of mind. It did look like, you know, and again, I'll be tempted to watch the film and really get the answers. But, you know, yes, under pressure in the pocket, but also a lot of plays where I think you saw it the same way, where he's in the pocket, the, it, it's pretty good, and he doesn't want to throw, nobody's open, he's not sure what he's looking at, whatever that reason may be. Obviously, the offense wasn't clicking all cylinders, and this is where – you know, we still have to see more of Tua. This was the first game where it was kind of like, hey, the special teams, the defense, they're not, they're not dominating today. You're going to have to make some plays. And the bootlegs and just the one-on-one fade balls aren't going to be there. And, you know, now we'll see as we go forward if Tua can take that next, you know, step up in his level of development and say, hey, when the team's not doing good, don't worry, guys, get on my left shoulder and I'll, I'll throw the ball around the lot and make things happen. Chris Sims, Pro Football Talk Live, co-host on Peacock. You had a top 10 list, was that last week? And Ben Roethlisberger was not on oh, your top 10 I quarterback know. list? Right. Yeah, How no, much he was feedback not. did you Did you hear from Steeler fans? Well, yeah, I did. I heard a lot from the Steeler <laughs> fans. I, I had to, like, stop looking at my social media. I had people from Pittsburgh calling me, you know, as far as the radio stations wanting to get me on there. Hey, Big Ben's playing awesome. There's no doubt about that. There's a lot of damn good quarterbacks in football right now. I would argue there's not a quarterback problem. You've heard me say this before. There's an offensive coordinator problem. There's not a quarterback problem. Big Ben is amazing, but I just think the thing I have, Dan, where I just left him out, right, is he's on a really good team. We know he's got great weapons, and they got a defense that's unbelievable. You know, a lot of these other quarterbacks I got in the top ten, the game is dictated by the quarterback. Their team is built around that, what he can do. They apply pressures, a pressure on team through the quarterback – with Pittsburgh, just like you saw yesterday. Yeah, the end result looked good, but, hey, there's been some underwhelming performances. He has the defense to sit there and create plays, and he can take his time. Oh, wait, so it looks ugly, and then they get a feel in the third quarter of what you're doing, and he hits some big plays and all that. It's amazing. I'm not trying to disrespect him. I have a ton of respect for him, but, no, I don't think he's one of the ten best in the game right now. But I think he's in the top five MVP, though. Because I looked, I looked at the Steelers and I said, if Ben is healthy, they're the most dangerous, intriguing team going into this season. I just didn't know and still don't know if Ben can stay healthy the entire year. But everything else is there for them to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender, which is it sounds strange. He's not in your top 10, but he might be in your top five MVP. Well, yeah. Well, this is the, the it, it, this is the world we're in. I mean, the MVP is it's like the Heisman. It's just like, who's the best quarterback on the best team, and that's, that's what we're going to give it to, and that's all it comes down to. So it's 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 I understand that talk. He's doing a great job of managing football games. He hasn't made a lot of mistakes. I mean, he's really doing unbelievable things, and his ability to throw the ball down the field is still special. But when I guess what I'm saying too, Dan, some of the guys that got in the top 10, they have far less help around them. They're capable of making a lot more happen on their own, off schedule, doing things like that. And that's where I don't look at him as being top tier anymore. And trust me, I'm a huge Big Ben fan. I think he is one of those guys that's kind of under the radar in the conversation for one of the 10 greatest quarterbacks of all time. 
I think he's that good. But, man, some of those guys I got in my top ten list, they are special, special players. Yeah, but you call him underrated, but you underrate him. Well, I, it's one year. I'm talking about he's been playing since dinosaurs were walking the earth. Okay, so this is this is one year, and it's it, it's it's a, it's a it is weird with the fact that yes, a ten and zero football team, and there is no true standout MVP candidate. But I think that speaks to the amount of studs they have on their football team in Pittsburgh there too. I mean, whether it's the two safeties yesterday, the pass rushers, to it Hayward. I mean, you know, the receivers they got right now, there's there's a lot of guys that are making plays to help that football team win games. And I know the quarterback gets a lot of that credit, and I don't want to take anything away from him. But, uh, but yeah, did. I just don't look on that way. I did. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> uh, how concerned should we be about the Ravens? Um, I, I think there's legitimate concern. I think you're seeing without Calais Campbell and then like no Brandon Williams last the last two weeks, they get pushed around a little bit in the run game. We're not used to seeing their defense get – physically moved around that way. And then the biggest thing, you know, again, we've talked, the league is caught up to the Lamar Jackson run scheme. Their offensive line isn't totally 100% healthy. And now we've hit to the point of, okay, so what's next, Baltimore? Who, who else? There's got to be something else to the offense. It can't just be run game and Mark Andrews in the pass game. That's all there is to it. There's no wide receiver involvement. There's no really creative pass schemes. There's no other element of the offense to look at right now to go, wait, as a defense, I have to worry about this guy or this thing they do. And uh, that's where I worry about them, Dan. McLovin brings up the Eagles and Carson Wentz every week. It's a topic. It's a national topic. It's we got to solve this. It's America's nightmare. We got to find out what's wrong with Carson Wentz and the Eagles. Should they just go to Jalen Hurts? I don't think Jalen – from all accounts, I don't know if Jalen Hurts is ready yet. I think they're at the point here where I would dabble with more of a Jalen Hurts wrinkle in the offense on a consistent basis. I think that's where I'd probably go more than anything. This is not a great offense. It's not great weapons. But they do need some other element. And Carson Wentz, I've been a defender of him. It's hard to defend it. I mean, it's, it's crappy. It's careless. It's horrible pocket awareness. He's costing his team, yeah. and they can't make plays on offense. So maybe you bring a Jalen Hurts in and kind of like the Taysom Hill type of fashion where, hey, we create some plays, some schematical advantages, do something like that. It can't hurt because their offense is sucky-ducky every week. I'm sorry. Sucky-ducky. Yes. Sucky-ducky. Paulie, write that yes. down. Got it. Technical term. Yes, yeah, sucky-ducky. <laughs> Game uh, more important tonight for the Rams or the Buccaneers? Uh, I, I would say the Buccaneers, I don't know if I'm mean, that's a tough one. Hmm, I'm not sure. It's so tough for both of them. Wow. Um, I'd probably say the Buccaneers though, because they're still kind of a work in progress. They've had the primetime failures, things like that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I wonder if I don't know if they're concrete sold on their plan of attack yet. I hope they stay with what they, we saw last week, two tight ends underneath the center, run the ball, Brady is awesome off of play action and those deep passes. If they can do that, I think they'll win the game tonight. The Rams have made five trips to the Eastern time zone in the last nine games. Right. That's amazing. It doesn't seem fair. No, it does not. But they're not going to make excuses. The one thing you could say about the Rams is they show up every week, ready to compete, tough. I've only seen them not show up once in the whole McVay era, and that was that last year's Monday night game against the Baltimore. 
Baltimore Ravens. Other than that, they're always ready to go. I do think the Bucks are a tough matchup for them. You know, with the weapons, big offensive line, that's why I think you run the ball a little bit. It's a smaller defense with the Rams. And then on the other side of the ball, you would think with Shaq Barrett and JPP, they could stop that zone speed sweep stuff. The middle linebackers they have in Levante David and Devin White, they're going to be good sideline to sideline. I think they match up well. I think they win a close one. Always great to see you. We appreciate your time, Chris. Thanks for joining us, bud. You're the man, Dan. Say hi to everybody. Be good. That's Chris Sims from uh, Football Night in America and also Pro Football Talk Live. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. A lot to digest over the weekend. Rams Buccaneers coming up tonight. Joe Burrow out for the season. Steelers improved to 10-0. Big question marks attached to the Baltimore Ravens, who have a short work week. They get ready for the Steelers Thanksgiving. Taysom Hill with a nice debut. College football, Northwestern beats Wisconsin. Ohio State survives Indiana. And Florida State taps out of the Clemson game. Speaking of that game, Clemson made the trip. They had set up a tent. They were going to do all the testing. They were going to get ready. They needed this game against Florida State. And then Florida State decided to tap out. And here's Dabo Sweeney talking about that decision. He was not pleased. And as Dan said, we offered to test again. Play Saturday night, Sunday, Monday. And it was declined. We spent several hundred thousand dollars, 300 plus thousand dollars to travel. We set up a Ringling Brothers tent in the in the took open an entire parking lot to do what we have to do to to meet the standards. We had people travel from all over the country to come to the game to see the game. We met the standard to play, and we should have played. We have mitigated everything all year long, all year meetings, practices, meals, housing, how we travel. If the standard to play was zero positive tests, then we would have never had a season. This game was not canceled because of COVID. COVID was just an excuse to cancel the game. And to be honest with you, I don't think it has anything to do with their players. I have no doubt that their players wanted to play and would have played. And same with the coaches. To me, the Florida State administration forfeited the game. And if they want to play Clemson, in my opinion, they need to come to Clemson or they need to pay for all expenses. Other than that, there's no reason for us to play them. We were there, we were ready, and we met the standards. Dabo calls out Florida State saying they just didn't want to play Clemson, but there are numerous reports that the cancellation shows a major weakness in college football's protocol due to the timing of the test. Dabo doesn't come off as very sensitive here with player safety, but he does have a point with you got on a plane to go down there. You spent the money to go down there. You set up safety protocols. You were going to do testing when you got there. And was it one player that made you nervous? Because if you're waiting for 0%, it's not happening. Zero tests, positive test. I mean, it, that's not going to happen right now. Not at this late stage in college football. But the ACC canceled this game. And Dabo Sweeney wants some answers there. Drafting quarterback Joe Burrow appeared to be a stroke of luck for the Bengals franchise. And this is a team that hasn't had much luck in recent years. But... Burrow is out now. He hurt his knee on Sunday, gone for the rest of the season. He had a strong rookie season, 
And the Bengals were interesting. You, you can have teams that are good, but they're not relevant. You can have bad teams that aren't relevant. The Bengals aren't a good team, but they were relevant because of Joe Burrow. There was something there. He was the, you know, the face of college football. Then he goes to the Bengals. He's averaging 40 pass attempts per game. And that came back and haunted him uh, because he got hurt, uh, got sacked yesterday, and he's done for the rest of the year. But it felt like the Bengals were asking him to do a lot. It's one thing just to play the position. It's another thing to play it well as a rookie. And it felt like they were asking him to do Herculean tasks here. And the key is he had the talent to throw it 40 times a game, but did they have the talent to protect him from throwing it 40 times a game? Was it a question of if but not when he was going to get hurt? With that exposure there, the number of times you get hit as a quarterback, not sacks, the number of times you're getting hit, but... Joe Burrow hopes to pick up where he left off. He had a great tweet. Can't get rid of me that easily. I'll see you next year. And he had had a great start to an NFL career. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's Mike Triplett, ESPN, NFL Nation reporter covering the Saints. I saw where Taysom Hill gave himself a BB plus after the game. What grade would you give him, Mike? Well, it depends. Are we, are we grading on the curve of the expectations that were set Ooh. for him? Uh, then it would be, uh, then it would probably be an A plus, but that's fair. Um, he missed a couple of throws, uh, actually completed a 44 yarder on one of the throws he missed, but then he had a couple that would have made it even more special. He completed a 57 yard touchdown pass that was called back by holding. But look, I think this was proof. Um, not that he is the next Steve Young, not that he's even going to be the Saints' next starter after Drew Brees retires, but that he's not just a gimmick and that he can be a pocket passer with running ability. Sean Payton wasn't making all this stuff up or just trying to show off when he kept saying he believed he could win with Taysom Hill at quarterback. Was Sean Payton gloating postgame? Not as much as we all would have liked, I think, but he could resist <laughs> at least one retweet of Roddy White, the uh, former Falcons receiver, who I, I think when Sean Payton retweeted that cold take, he was sort of uh, choosing the one that would represent all of the cold takes that he, he would be up all night if he was looking for all of them. I didn't think they were going to go with Taysom Hill. I just thought that Jameis Winston made the most sense. And I, yes. I'm not rooting against Taysom Hill or the experiment there. It just felt like maybe Jameis Winston under the tutelage of Sean Payton and Drew Brees was going to be able to manage a game a little bit more intelligently and not take chances there. What does Taysom Hill like is Taysom Hill is this week to week or is Taysom Hill there as long as Drew is out? Well, it's hard to envision them doing anything week to week. Now, they're not uh, afraid of some subterfuge. They obviously kept this a secret as long as they could last week. So it wouldn't be the most surprising thing I've ever seen if there is a, a you know, out of nowhere Jameis Winston game plan one day. But I think the more likely uh, idea is that they stick with Taysom Hill because, look, this wasn't a – Huge surprise in the grand scheme of things. I mean, they did just pay Taysom Hill two years, $21 million in the offseason a couple months before they ever even signed Jameis Winston in the first place. And they've been talking for years about Taysom Hill being next in line. It actually, you can make an argument, would have been unfair to have Winston leapfrog him. This is his fourth year in the system, and he's been waiting his turn, and Peyton said he deserves this. The only reason I thought they might stick with Winston is because I thought it might be a harder mid-season transition to Taysom Hill. I thought maybe it would have taken more than one week to game plan for, for Taysom Hill, change the offense around him. But I think two things happened. One, we saw that Sean Payton has had these Taysom Hill ideas in his mind for a long time. There are a lot of Taysom Hill plays in the playbook. And two, he was more of a pocket passer than anyone expected. There were a small amount of design runs uh, and he stood back in the pocket quite a bit. Now, one of those touchdown runs was on a design pass play that broke down, which is an element he brings. But they're not just relying on his legs when he runs this off. But what I didn't understand, Mike, is that Sean Payton basically said, look, we have to find out what we have in Taysom Hill. 
at this point, you still don't know what you have in Taysom Hill? Well, not necessarily. And, and, you know, he didn't come out and say that openly. I think that was a source attributed to him. But um, I think it's a combination of two things. It's it's their belief that he could potentially replace Drew Brees as a starter is genuine. Um, so if you are someone who really believes that, why wouldn't he be the guy that you put into this situation? You can't just keep putting him on hold and keep him as a maybe. They need a starter this week. If they believe in Taysom Hill, why shouldn't he be the starter? What's uh, the update on Drew Brees? The latest, he came out and he told Ed Werder that he is optimistic he can come back after the three weeks he's required to, to miss with injured reserve. So many unknowns with this injury. You can't just look up, oh, yeah, you know, punctured lungs always take four weeks. You can't do that. I'm sure there will be a lot of medical updates, but we do know that he's going to be t- determined to come back. And that optimism uh, that he expressed after talking to a lot of doctors makes it seem realistic he could do that uh, before the regular season is over. Why does this injury get worse, it feels like, every other day? Like they've added <laughs> – has, has another broken rib taken place here? He's got 11, Mike. Well, you know, he wants to every, do everything to the fullest. But you know, do you worried, think Tom Brady that... was going to come out and, and say he broke 10 ribs? But that number where Brady couldn't catch him. But do you think that all of the all of this happened on that one sack? It felt like he was no, injured prior and, to this, right? He's been open about uh, the latest reporting or what he told Edward was that eight of them were on the left side which was a previous injury, and three of them were on the right side, which was the new injury. Now, he had been playing through that and playing pretty well. He'd been on the injury report, the shoulder injury. So he had obviously been feeling some discomfort, uh, but until all the swelling went down, they didn't actually go in and and count each rib fracture. It's great to talk to you, Mike. Uh, Certainly got a big story there with uh, Taysom Hill and then the return of the Saints. I, I thought the defensive line won that game. I thought the pressure they put on Matt Ryan... Uh, was really the difference maker, uh, in my opinion. Well, that's three weeks in a row for the defense. I mean, you saw them on Sunday Night Football, 38-3 over Tampa. They were playing great. And that was the case last year when Teddy – everybody remembers Teddy Bridgewater went 5-0 and as the Saints starter. Defense was playing a big role in that as well. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. That's Mike Triplett, ESPN NFL Nation reporter covering the Saints. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. A lot of basketball moves over the weekend. I thought the Lakers did really, really well. And I thought, let's bring in Chris Mannix to kind of summarize everything that happened. Sports Illustrated NBA senior writer. Busy weekend here, Mannix. Uh, The most surprising positive move of the weekend was what? Uh... Positive, I'm not sure. I mean, I, I thought the, you said the Lakers did well. I agree with that. Um, I think Marcus Gasol is a very useful pickup for them at the end of all this. And, you know, the changes they made to the backcourt, Wesley Matthews, among others, are, I think are going to work out for that team. Uh, I really like what the Bucks did. Um, you know, I know they wanted Bogdanovic. That was their top choice in that sign and trade. But I thought they rebounded pretty well from that you know, by you know, getting a guy like Bryn Forbes and, and a handful of others to Bobby Portis to fortify that bench, uh, bringing back Pat Connaughton, who I think is going to play a big role for that team. And look, it, it, they still have Drew Holiday, who addressed a lot of issues for them uh, there. So, look, it wasn't anything seismic, I think, that, that, ch- that tipped the balance of power in a significant way. But, uh, you know, the top teams, I-, I thought, did well in sort of refortifying their positions. 
Well, let me go back to the Lakers because I don't know if they're done yet. I saw where Mark Stein said that the Lakers and Clippers trying to sign uh, Markeith Morris. Um, You know, this is, I don't know if it's, you know, these players are more apt to want to play with LeBron, the point guard LeBron, and be a part of a championship team. You know, I, I think Montrez Harrell, you know, walking from one side of the the, uh, the uh, Staples Center to the other side, I mean, that's pretty seismic move, it feels like, there, that you want to try to cash in and win a championship, it feels like. Do you get that feeling that these players all, you know, all in on getting a chance to play with LeBron and play, a chance to win a title? Well, I mean, yes and no. Um you know, with Marquise Morris, it's just a weird situation. Like, he and his brother are as inseparable as you possibly can be when you play for different teams. And he, he would really like to play alongside his brother if the Clippers can make that work. So that's that's one aspect of it. The, the market for Harrell wasn't great. And that, that surprised me a little oh, bit okay. because he's coming off, a, you know, the year he's coming off. But it wasn't a exceptionally robust market for Harrell, which is why I think he – you know, look, it's a two-year deal, but it's really a one-year deal with the option, so he can punt to free agency in 2021 and see, you know, as the there's going to be more teams with, with free agent cash available as teams load up for that summer, so maybe he can cash in that year. And look, with Harold, like, he's a really good player, don't get me wrong, but I'm not exactly sure about the fit with Anthony Davis because we know Davis likes to play alongside, you know, traditional big men, right? Like, he doesn't want to be a five um, except in spurts at the end of games and in the playoffs. He wants to save his body against that wear and tear. I mean, Harold can play five, but he's not your traditional type of five. That's why I think the Gasol signing was badly needed in the aftermath of, of losing Dwight Howard. I mean, Gasol, not what he used to be, but I think he'll be an incredible weapon, top of the key, passing the ball, shooting threes, and just basketball IQ. I think he's uh, going to be a real threat for, for that team. So, Harold's a good player, but uh, I was uh, Harold plus Gasol made me think the Lakers had a good day. Did the Hornets have a good weekend? I, I don't know what the Hornets are doing or what their their thought process is. Like <laughs> Gordon Hayward, it, Gordon Hayward won the off season, and Mark Bartlestein is agent. They won the off season. I, I couldn't have imagined after opting out of a four year of a, a thirty four and a half million dollar contract for next season in Boston that there would be $120 million on the table for him. There were teams interested. I mean, Tom Thibodeau really pushed Gordon Hayward in New York. Indiana tried to construct a sign-and-trade. But the idea that the Hornets would be there with a buck 20 is, is mind-blowing. This is the same Hornets team that kind of shrugged its shoulders at Kemba Walker, at least didn't, didn't go all out to try to re-sign Kemba Walker just a year ago. This is a Hornets team that tied itself to Nick Batum a few years back in what was an awful contract that they are now stretching so they can sign Gordon Hayward. So Gordon Hayward, Dan, is going to make $30 million a year himself, but because of the Nick Batum stretch, if that's how it plays out, which I think it will, Gordon's going to be costing like $39 million a year. Mm. That, that is truly bonkers for a team that isn't going anywhere. Like, they're, like what are they going to do? Go from, like, with Gordon Hayward, go from 12th in the Western and Eastern Conference to 10th? Like, I, I don't... I don't understand Michael Jordan, Mitch Kupchak, the thinking there. They got LaMelo Ball. He brings some star power. You want to build around him. Gordon's 30. Like, are you just bringing him in to give LaMelo someone to pass to for a couple of years as you miss the playoffs? I, I just, I thought Nick Batum's contract as an expiring would have been much more valuable 
in some kind of trade scenario where teams are trying to cut cut costs for next summer if Giannis is available than just waiving him and making Gordon effectively a $40 million per year player. Does everybody have to get a max? You know, like Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum, like it's it's five one ninety five, and that's it. Like there's no other option where you go, hey, maybe you'd like to give you five for 175. Why is it? It feels like this is like NFL quarterback contracts where next guy up, you're, everybody's getting the max amount at quarterbacking position and then these NFL max deals. Yeah, I mean – not on rookie contracts. Like, if a player is at an all-star level, they become a max guy. And part of that is the comps that are out there, right? Like, the, the second free agency opened, Sacramento gave the Aaron Fox the max. So if you're Donovan Mitchell, you, you're not considering not the max anyway, and Utah wasn't considering it either. But the fact that the Aaron Fox is a max guy, you are a max guy. If you're Jason Tatum, if those guys are max guys, you're a max guy. They just, like... You, you can't – because these have been handed out, and I agree, they get handed out almost reflexively at this point. Uh, because they're handed out so frequently, there's almost no choice for teams to, to do. I mean, players – you know, I, if I was a team, maybe I'd play a little bit of hardball because no player in the history of these contracts has ever turned one down. Because if they take, let's say, the qualifying offer, that's not money they can ever get back, right? Like, if, if you're a player that signs a shorter-term deal, you can always recoup money on the back end. But if you sign a qualifying offer – that means for like a Jason Tatum, I'm just making this number up, but it's like $10 million in that first year. You can't make up that money. So you want the $20 million in that first year of the extension. So they're always going to take it, or at least be inclined to take it. Maybe teams should play some hardball, but I have no, I have no belief, Dan, that's ever going to happen. Any updates on James Harden? No, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. I, I, I expect James Harden to be in training camp with the Rockets, which isn't saying much since that opens like tomorrow or you know, right around the corner. Um, my sense from talking to people in Houston and talking to people that have inquired is that this is going to be a protracted process. And I think I said this to you last time I was on, and it remains true. The Westbrook domino kind of has to fall first. You know, they, they have to find a home for Westbrook. I don't know where that is. The Washington deal kind of raised an eyebrow because I'm not sure what you do with John Wall either in that situation. seems like, you know, exchanging one distressed asset for another. But I don't expect a hardened deal to happen until Westbrook, there's an outcome there. And look, you do want to get teams into a bidding war. So maybe that takes until midseason to get these teams to realize, you know, let's say Giannis signs the extension next week. Like You don't want to you know, make a deal for Harden when other teams might, who are preparing for Giannis might be available, a team like Miami or somebody else that might throw a real offer at you. So I, I don't expect anything to happen anytime soon with James Harden. Wait, I thought Harden wanted to play with Westbrook. Like, when did – like, he's okay now not playing with Westbrook, right? Well, he's going to go down the list of ex-teammates, right? It's Westbrook <laughs> and now it's Durant and – Chris uh, Paul. Just – Chris Paul reuniting with the Clippers. I, I don't think that I don't think there's a any friction with Russ and, and James. I just think look, they're like many people, if not most, thought they were a tough match. Like you know, you you put two guys together that are used to being alphas that have two of the highest usage rates in NBA history, and it's not easy to come together. Now, to Russ's credit, I think Russ changed you know during the year. I think he evolved as a player. To, to make things more accommodating to playing with James, but it just it just didn't feel like a long-term fit when they acquired him, and it still doesn't feel like a long-term fit now. 
Good to talk to you as always, Chris. Thank you, buddy. Ricky Rubio, on the move again, Dan. Yeah. Back to Minnesota. (laughs) I already have my Minnesota Rubio jersey, so I don't need a new one now. I'm good. Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, NBA senior writer. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.